Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. All right, Roster Cut Week is here, and we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner recapping preseason finale Saturday night, probably the final game Tom Brady ever has inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. That was part of, I think, a really good crowd Saturday night. Beautiful night, downtown Indianapolis. We've got a ton to get to on today's pod. Uh, We'll do that. We're going to go over roster cuts. They're happening tomorrow at 4 o'clock, so this pod will have, you know, I think a good amount of substance that is a little bit less timely than the roster cuts. We'll come back later in the week and recap those as well and a good amount of Twitter questions to get to. Before we get into today's pod, I do want to um, to give a, a thank you to Chris Presley. Um, Chris has produced this pod for, boy, it's got to be two, probably more like three years now, and just did an absolutely incredible job in looking for really innovative ways to help our pod grow. Um, he was a part of Beers with Bowen. A few times, several of those during the pandemic where we had a you know, a little bit chaotic moments of just streaming it on YouTube, but then uh, down at Bullseye Event Group last year. Um, and unfortunately, with our you know company getting bought, um, Chris was one of those that will not make the transition over um, to our new, new company. Um, so just wanted to give a thank you to Chris. And he wore so many hats for this company and did an outstanding job and is a great dude. And I've really enjoyed building a friendship with him outside of work and also um, being able to have him be a huge part of this podcast over the last couple of years. So I want to say thank you to him for that. And I know several of you have reached out and commented, you know, hey, where's Chris? Where's Chris? And and um, wanted to give him his time to um, deal with everything. Um, it happened earlier this month. And uh, also welcome aboard Eddie Garrison, who you guys have heard on the past couple of podcasts. And Eddie will continue to be our producer of this podcast. So, Eddie, thank you very much for that. Yep. Uh, Just want to send my sentiments to Chris as well. Uh, He's a good friend of mine. Uh, On top of, you know, doing the pod, he was a good colleague to me. Uh, He was somebody I connected with, like, right on when. Yeah. uh, Right when I became an MS employee back in 2019. Uh, and so, Easy guy to connect to. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mention the Vols and, you know, <laughs> you're friends for life with that guy. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, just want to say thank you to Chris, and then also I want to say thank you to Kevin for allowing me to become the new producer. I'm very happy, man. Um, you've done an outstanding job when you filled in and really looking forward to continuing the growth of the pod. And from Joey Molinaro to Chris Presley, now to Eddie Garrison, sitting in that chair. And, Eddie, um, I know, I think you've done this before with us, but just a little bit of a brief background on your duties here with our station. You wear a lot of hats as well, do a lot of producing. Um, so for those of our listeners that don't know, fill us in on what all is on the plate of Eddie Garrison. Uh, so right now the main thing on my plate is pregame and postgame producer obligations with the Colts Radio Network, um, along with highlight coordinator for the Colts Radio Network. Um, I'm also – the producer of the Indiana Pacers radio network, and then I serve as kind of like the main backup producer to all three of the main shows on the fan, um, and then kind of do sports talk updates now and then when I'm able to, and then uh, call some games occasionally as well. You are a busy, busy man, and so I appreciate you taking on this endeavor as well. Hopefully it won't be too taxful, uh, but the season is here, so we'll, we'll probably start to get into you know bi- bi-weekly pods um, 
Bi-weekly, I don't know if that's the right phrase. Two, two a week. Bi-weekly is right. Uh, okay. Uh, with well, that. No. It's bi-weekly every other week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is that, yeah, that is. I was going to say it's bi-monthly, but that would be every other month. That wouldn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, lo- looking forward to picking up a little bit more in the Kevin's Corner front here now that the season is here. Um, let's begin with a recap from Saturday night, if you don't mind, Eddie. Oh, and another thing that we should plug before we get too far is our Fantasy Football League and our Fantasy Pick'em League as well. Um, Eddie is going to create uh, the league and the Pick'em League as well, and we'll send out the link for the Pick'em League, and we'll do that. I think ESPN is probably where we're going to go with both of those things. And in a way to really sell our quick listeners of the podcast, (laughs) so I apologize to those that work Jobs that maybe don't allow them to listen right away, but there's no real easy way to hand out spots to the league. Um, we'll do the first 10 people to message Eddie Garrison on Twitter. He will then send them a link for a spot. We will play, um, we'll play, uh, or do the draft, I should say, next week, one night. And Eddie, go ahead and plug your Twitter account. So if you would like to join the league, Go ahead and send Eddie a DM at the Twitter account. That is what? It is at Eddie Garrison underscore. That's E-D-D-I-E. Garrison is G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. And then underscore at the end. Somebody stole the Eddie Garrison, so I can't use that. So I had to add the underscore at the end there. Hey, that's not bad. When all you got to do is add the add the old underscore. Right. That That's big time there. So thank you for setting that up, Eddie. I'm um, always enjoy getting some listener um, interaction via the Fantasy League. Um, so we'll do that. Um, okay, let's hop into Saturday night and 27 to 10 victory. So we'll begin with what I liked. And the first thing I mentioned, Eddie, was what? Punter. Punter. <laughs> In all seriousness, dude, Matt Hawk, give him the game ball. Um, great job by him. You know, the first four punts, Eddie, his last one came with a few minutes ago in the game. First four punts, uh, so much for getting a great look at your coverage units. He literally did not allow a return yard in the first four. Um, I think the punts were down at like the 9, the 10, the 14, and the 15. He had one beautiful corner punt that the guy just kind of ran out of bounds, fielded it, and then ran out of bounds. Um, I mean, a tremendous net average. His last punt did allow a little bit of a return, but you're talking about a net average of 48. That is tremendous for, again, a guy that's punting here for the first time. So... Shout out to Matt Hawk. Uh, absolutely awesome job. I thought he had a couple nice holds as well. There were a couple yeah. high snaps from Luke Rhodes, which you don't typically see. And I think that's a big side to the Rigoberto Sanchez loss of, you know, you are talking about a guy that, again, you you need to get snaps down with a kicker that uh, you just worry about, you know, his confidence level, particularly on the long kicks. And Hot Rod did make a 46-yarder on Saturday night, which for him certainly qualifies as a longer kick. Uh, so Matt Hawk, great work. Obviously, incredibly you know, horrifying situation in Buffalo with their punter um, and all of that transpired there. Um, you know, you look at Matt Hawk's resume, I mean, there's definitely a big difference between him and Rigoberto Sanchez, particularly in the touchback kind of controlling field position. I thought that was something that Sanchez did such a great job of was, Eddie, when you watched him punt, oftentimes in those kickoffs, the Colts would purposely have him punt inside the five 
force a return, but they trust their coverage unit so much, they go make a tackle at the 18 of the 20, and boom, you've won seven yards of field position. You've won five yards of field position right there. And basically, I think the loss of Sanchez for me, I think it boils down to potentially like 10 yards a quarter is the difference. You know, he oftentimes made about a 10-yard difference with a punt, with a kickoff, something like that. Now, Hawk on Saturday night certainly looked every bit of what <laughs> Sanchez yeah. typically brings. But, you know, it's crazy to think about this, Eddie. Last year, Rigoberto Sanchez had one touchback. One touchback the entire season. That was in that monsoon, the bomb cyclone in San Francisco when that was the wild, like, was it a safety? Was it a touchback? Like a chaotic play there. Um so, I mean, this, this is a loss, and you feel awful for him for how it happened and all those things. But, um, yeah, I thought Matt Hawk deserved the game ball from Saturday night. Uh, so I was looking at some punting stats after Rigoberto's injury broke. Right. Uh, of punters last year that attempted more than 35 punts. You know, that's about that's about where the starters were. Sure. That's, uh, Tommy Townsend had the fewest punts last year for Kansas City at 35. Uh, Johnny Hecker was first, Tommy Townsend second, and Matt Hawk was third in terms of number of punts returned. Only 15 of his 50 punts were returned, so that's about 30%. Um, and then he was within the top 10, too, of fewest punt return yards allowed. Um, I think those are two key statistics to look yeah. at when you look at punters. There's a lot of stats you can point to with punts. You know, you look at inside 20. You look at touchbacks, obviously a lot of that is predicated on where your offense ends those drives and how many of those situations do you have there. Um, Hot Rod kicked off on Saturday night. Several of his kicks short of the goal line. Was that to get a look at your coverage unit? Was that just Hot Rod? You know, that is something I think to keep an eye on when you get into the regular season and how all that unfolds there. Um, But I thought considering everything that Matt Hawk had to deal with last week, and the short transition. He didn't even kick Thursday the final Grand Park practice. It was an indoor practice. He did not punt in that practice. A really good work from him in the preseason finale. All right, second thing you liked, health. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a storyline no matter what happens in a preseason game, good or bad. Uh, you feel awful for Armani Watts on the opening kickoff. Ankle injury, as season's over. I had him on the football team. But, Eddie, you went through 16 practices at Grand Park. You went through three preseason games in which you played your starters more. Selfishly, I would like to have seen the starters play a little bit more than they did Saturday night. Yeah. And you're going to go into roster cuts tomorrow. And of the 53-man roster I would have created on July 29th, you don't have your punter, who's what, your 25th most important player on your team. You don't have your third or fourth tight end, so your 45th most important player on your team, and Drew Ogletree. And Shaquille Leonard's status for week one is up in the air. That's it. Everybody else is healthy. Ryan Kelly's back from COVID. Quiddy Pay looks like he could be good for week one. I mean, it's just a it's a great health situation compared to the alternative. Compared to where you were last year. When on August 29th last year, Carson Wentz hadn't practiced in a month. Quentin Nelson hasn't practiced hadn't practiced in a month. I mean, even when you want to take it a step further, I didn't see rest days for Stefan Gilmore. Mm-mm. I didn't see rest days for Paris Campbell. In camp, your O line was out there for the first 14 practices until Kelly had that COVID uh, positive test late last week. So, just a really healthy situation. Again, you feel bad for Watts. Maybe it opens up a spot for Trevor Denbo. We'll go over that in, in roster cuts. But uh, all in all, it's about as healthy of a camp as you could have realistically expected compared to where the Colts were last year or have been 
before. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at it too, if you want to say, all right, your third or fourth tight end, he's hurt. Your punter at safety. Uh, who am I else am I missing? There's another one in there. Leonard. Yep. Yeah. I, again, and but I even he wasn't in the injury at camp. Is right. Where I was right. Kind of going with that. Yeah. I, not many guys at all. And again, Watts was probably a debate to be on your 53 man roster. Ogletree entering camp. You know, I I had him on the 53, but I don't think it was like. Again, it's not Mo Ali Cox getting hurt. So, um, I think you got to be very, very pleased with where you're at right now from a health standpoint. All right, Kevin. What did you not like starting with the offense? Yeah, I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of those early couple drives. I mean, I get temp, Tampa Bay's got a, you know, a stout front, and you're dealing with no Ryan Kelly and obviously no Jonathan Taylor. It just seems like, Eddie, the opposing offenses in the preseason, and again, it hasn't been your start starting offense you faced. No Josh Allen, of course. No Jared Goff. Brady for a series. It seems like they've been able to put together rather quick early drives into your red zone, whereas the Colts have not been able to do that. Yeah. And again, I know that Jonathan Taylor makes so much of this run, um, but... And I hear people probably screaming right now, like, you don't game plan in the preseason. Well, those offenses aren't game planning, and yet they're right. able to move the ball down the field. So, you know, is it overly concerning? Is it going to greatly shift my win total? No, but it's just a further reminder of <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is of extreme importance, and you're so relying on game planning. Uh, you had seven drives for your starting offense in the preseason. You had six total first downs. <clears throat> on those seven drives, and you only face the starting defense for two of those seven drives. Those would be the first two against Tampa Bay. Your touchdown drive is when Tampa Bay took out a vast majority of those starters. So, yeah, I thought the interior of your O-line, you know, Pinter and Fries got beat certainly several times. You had some trouble there. Um, And the Ryan scramble, you know, was the only first down you got on those first two series of the game. Obviously a good third drive. I thought the ball to Pittman was something you've seen a lot during camp and then were able to punch it in on the goal line there. Uh, But yeah, selfishly, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more. If I could take the selfish angle a step further, would have loved to have seen a target for Paris Campbell and or Alec Pierce. Just kind of force feed them in game settings. For those of you that have read my notebooks up on 107.5thefan.com, after practices, we've tallied the pass-catching recipients from Matt Ryan. And while Campbell has grown a little bit here in recent days, you know, you you go Michael Pittman three times the amount of any catches of anybody else on the team. Yeah. And then it's like a Mo Cox or a Kylan Granson or a Naheem Hines or a Jonathan Taylor. Campbell's in that group as well. But, you know, you you get down the list a good amount before you find Campbell and then before you find Alec Pierce. And that's your, you know, three-wide-out group heading into week one. So, yeah, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more from that offensive unit. I sent you this text on Saturday, and you bringing up Paris Campbell sparked my memory to ask you this. Um, It's about Paris. Are they disguising him by literally not throwing to him, not scheming anything up for him because you don't want to show much in the preseason? Or is it C, uh, do they really just not want to get him the ball and risk him getting hurt by taking taking a tackle? Yeah, I don't (laughs) – the game plan stuff is probably where I immediately go to. Um, you know, he had the drop in. 
Buffalo, right? Buffalo, and then they went to him on the fourth down, and that was kind of a poor camera angle. Looked like a tough catch. Um, and then I don't think he had a target in the Detroit game. He played in that game. I think he had one. Did he have one? Um, and then th- this past Saturday night, obviously, he didn't have any. So, you know, I think Campbell is kind of a heavy game plan guy. But it is almost like, man, I would have liked to have seen just kind of a forced target to him, a forced target to Pierce, just to get them used to, you know, a little bit more of team settings. Obviously, Pierce made the couple catches with Nick Foles yep. in the preseason. Um, he had the really nice catch and run, breaking a tackle against Detroit there. So, um, you know, it's August 29th, and the veteran wideout move doesn't look like it's going to come. So here you go. You're betting on Paris Campbell stay healthy, and you're betting on. Instant, instant production from your from your rookie. One final thing for me, uh, Brady came out and they did the two minute offense right away. Did the Colts offense ever do the two minute offense? Did they try to ever do it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I didn't see any tempo out of them. I know tempo was kind of a big word early in camp. We didn't yeah. see any tempo within games. I'm curious to see if we do see that. The thing I found interesting with Brady, and again, they were very specific of like we wanted to get him in two minute situations. We wanted that O line to pass protect. It's an O line that's dealt with a lot of injuries. Yep. This camp. I felt like and what was the second thing that I didn't like for Saturday night? See starters for longer. Okay, so I guess we'll kind of play into this. That first drive for Tampa Bay, we're so used to Brady getting rid of the ball quick. I felt like I saw Brady bouncing in the pocket, patting that ball, yeah. kind of the patented things he does. You know, Peyton's got the quick feet. Brady, you know, is on the tips of his toes, and he's always patting that ball. I felt like he patted it a couple times, like five, six times, like long developing plays that he could go through all the progressions. And I'm like, where's the pass rush? Yep. You know, you'd like to have seen, because I don't, Worfs didn't play, right? No, he's hurt. Yeah, Worfs is hurt. Um, the interior of their O line, a little bit banged up. And again, it's one drive, so I, I don't want to overreact. But for one drive, with your starting unit going up against a lot of backups, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more there on that front. Um, it just starters playing a little bit longer. You know, it was probably two series for your defensive starters, three for your offense. I mean, your offense was out of the game at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. And again, I know I'm probably in the minority of this. A lot of people are like, get them out, get them out, you know. Didn't I? Didn't we all hear like a half? I mean, Frank yeah. said kind of a half, a half, and it, it didn't even really sniff getting to that half mark. Um, so again, there's a lot of selfish comments from me in that, but I think it's good to knock off more of that rust. And I don't, I do feel like the offense and the defense hasn't been, you know, maybe as dominant. Defense has been a little better than the offense there, but um, I don't. Basically, what we've seen out of the defense in Buffalo. And then in Tampa, again, Buffalo facing the backups. Uh, it wasn't Barkley. Who was the first QB for it? Was it Keenum? It was, uh, yeah. I think it was Keenum. It was Keenum, then Barkley. Yeah. Um, what you're getting there is a bend but don't break kind of effort. I know that's a phrase that not a lot of people like to hear, but that's kind of what you saw out of those drives there. Uh, so, yeah, th- th- that's a little bit more up on our website, 1075thefan.com. I've got five things I learned. Um, from Saturday night. But unless you've got anything else, Eddie, let's get into the final roster cut prediction. All right, so you just want to go position by position with this? Let's do that. We'll start with the quarterbacks. You've got four in total. Jack Cohn, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, three of which are on the active roster. Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, and Jack Cohn on the practice squad, I assume. Yeah, I'm going to 
keep – well, I don't know about Cone on the practice squad, but I'm going to keep Ellinger on, on the 53. Um, gosh, I thought Siri was going to talk to me there for a second. I've never really used Siri on, me the, either. on the phone. I'm not, I'm not too, um, too tech-savvy with that. Okay, Eddie, we said how great of a health situation the Colts are in. You hear the phrase oftentimes, you know, oh, we're going to stash that guy on a practice squad. The Colts are in a health situation entering week one. They could stash a guy or two on their 53-man roster. Yep. And that's where I see Ellinger. Um, we have a couple of Twitter questions on this, but I think people have brought up a good point. Like, you know, could you use Ellinger in some short yardage stuff? Maybe. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to dress him on game days, but, like, you know, you get four weeks into the season, you struggle a little bit in short yardage. A uh, Jacoby Brissett package all over again? Didn't Ellinger do a play or two like I can't remember. Like that last year? I I, I feel like he did. Um you know, I, I maybe I'm, you know, giving him too much credit, but maybe that's something that you just have in your back pocket. You don't announce it all week long. You know, let's say week five against against the Broncos. You've been trying it for a couple weeks in practice, all of a sudden, hour and a half before kickoff, and you announce your guys that are dressing in the game. And boom, Sam Ellinger's dressing. He hasn't dressed for the first four weeks. Now the Broncos are kind of like, whoa, why is Ellinger dressing? You know what? They haven't practiced against it. And now you you use it on a short week in a short yardage situation, and boom, you've converted in a red zone yeah. opportunity that maybe that you didn't prior. It's kind of how I view Ellinger. Is he your backup of the future? I think he can be that. And I look at tomorrow afternoon as the time where teams are the most patient with their roster. Think back to the Colts in 2017, Eddie. Ballard's first year on the job. They made five waiver claims in that roster cut-down period. One of those waiver claims was Kenny Moore. Chris Ballard did not want Kenny Moore. Kevin Rogers, one of the pro scouts, had to convince him of that. That's the Colts coming off a season in which they just changed their GM, they're overhauling their their defense, what they're going to do the the next year. Ballard was as open-minded probably as he's ever been to getting rid of guys on the roster. And yet in that moment, it took coaxing, but he eventually said, okay, we will claim him. Like I, I don't like anybody on this defense. Let's see what this guy can do. You're, more, you're most willing to do that in late August, you know, because it's still a week and a half until the start of the regular season. You're going to get you know four or five practices in before the start of the regular season. And what I'm getting at is exposing Ellinger to waivers tomorrow is different to me than exposing him to waivers on October 29th. Yep. Where now your injuries start to pile up, the Colts make a move, and let's say you're the Seahawks. Your quarterback situation's dicey. Well, the Seahawks might look at it. First off, they might have found another version of Ellinger somewhere else. And they also might think to themselves, I mean, yeah, we we stink, but like, I mean, that guy is not going to know our playbook. If he comes here, it's going to take him another, you know, month to learn our playbook. Now it's late November. It would be a very long-term view. And I think you would still have some teams that would just say, if we're going to go find a long-term quarterback on the waiver wire, we want the raw traits. We want the big arm. Yeah. We want that. We don't necessarily want the... You know, 88-mile-per-hour guy that's just going to be steady number two or number three throughout his NFL career, which is probably where Ellinger's ceiling is. So, um, again, unbelievable job of Sam Ellinger this preseason. Kudos to him for that. 
I think you got room on the 53. Um, I think Nick Foles should be the backup. I think it's a lot of backyard football. But at the same time, I do think Ellinger can be your backup of the future. And when it's a two-year deal for Foles and a two-year deal for Ryan, I see plenty of reason why you would want to keep him around at such an important spot on the football team. Um, so I, I don't know if it's a slam dunk that they will try and carry him, but I think you're in a position of, it really boils down to this, Eddie. It boils down to, do you want to keep a Devontae Price, a Brandon King, a Trevor Denbo, a Sterling Weatherford? Like out of those four guys, take one of them off the board and put Ellinger on the board. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that makes sense to do that. I get your special teams have struggled here in the preseason, and it is a question mark, but I think it is worthy to keep Ellinger and let one of those guys go, and one of those guys who are more likely to be on your practice squad. I know listeners of our podcast probably have heard this before from me, but I look at tomorrow's roster cut, and I think of it as the 53 guys you covet the most. Yep. Not the best 53 that are trying to go win week one in Houston. You've got a week a week to tinker with your roster. Two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks um, to tinker with your roster. You've got the couple of call-ups on the practice squad that you do as well. Um, so this is the time where you keep the guys that you really covet. And I think you'll see that with a couple of the other roster moves. Uh, as we go through this position by position. I think that this is the easiest position group to assess. That would be running back. Uh, you've got four on the active roster, Jonathan Taylor, Philip Lindsay, Deion Jackson, and Naeem Hines. Yeah, I'm going with Deion Jackson over Devontae Price. I've seen Price take some special teams reps in camp, so that's been something I've noted. Uh, but I just think Deion Jackson, he's been around a little bit longer. He's played special teams for you. I think the fourth running back for me takes the spot of your fourth tight end. Yeah, I know that might not seem apples to apples to a lot of people, but I view the fourth tight end and the fourth running back as who helps you out on special teams if they're not kind of a luxury thing like an Ogletree and a Jelani Woods would have been at tight end. So I'll go with Deion Jackson as the fourth tight end. Tyson Williams make the practice squad for you? Say it again. Tyson Williams make the practice squad for you? Yeah, I could see that. I think it's always good to have running backs on your I think he was there squad. last year, too, for a little bit. Um, he was with Baltimore, certainly, last year. Deion Jackson, I think, got a lot of camp or a lot of practice reps. So I know Taylor likes to practice, but still, I think it's always good to have an extra running back. Now to the group that's got the most question marks. Wide receivers. You've got Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin, Desmond Patman, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman Jr., and Mike Strawn as the six that they will keep, meaning no Kiki Kuti to Michael Harris. Yeah, yeah. I I went back and forth with Kuti. You know, I, I look at him as Paris Campbell insurance, and he had a couple of nice punt returns on Saturday, but it sounds like they want Naeem Hines to do punt returns. Now, if all of a sudden they've changed that line of thinking, then Kuti becomes pretty attractive. My question all along with Whiteout has been this, Eddie. Are you too big with Patman and Strawn? And are you not special teams-centric enough? Patman and Strawn, to me, this could be me projecting a little bit, they look like two guys I want no part of playing special teams. Might sound a bit harsh, but I think there's a little bit of truth behind that. Um, Now, again, let's think back to what I said just a few minutes ago. The 53-man roster of the guys you most covet. You could get Kuti on your practice squad like you had last year. 
You could get Harris to your practice squad like you had last year. And then next Friday rolls around, Eddie, or next Saturday rolls around, and you promote two guys from your practice squad to play in a game. Then do you promote Kuti and keep Patman inactive? And now Kuti is helping you out on special teams on game day. Now, again, you can only do that three times a year with players. So at some point, you would have to kind of sift through yeah. roster logistics and all of that and, and, and you know make sure that you handle the puzzle that goes into that very well. Uh, but I, I've gone back and forth on Kuti versus Patman. Kuti versus Patman. I would have Strawn ahead of Patman. That's me. Um, but, again, if you're going to go covet, maybe there's a better chance Patman gets picked up, which sounds a bit weird for, for me to say. I mean, Patman's got, what, two NFL catches, whereas Kuti's got a lot more than that. And Kuti's healthy, which has not always been a case in his career. But um, for now... I will go with um, I will go with uh, Patman and Strong. If uh, running back is not the easiest position, certainly it's tight end. Mo, Kylan, and Jelani are your three tight ends. Michael Jacobson and I can't even say the other name, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, Eastern European name for that last guy. Forty eight or forty nine on your roster. Something with an N is first name. Something with a K is the last name. <laughs> Nicola. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacobson another drop on Sunday or on Saturday. I know some people have said, hey. Um, you know, I think he could be your fourth tight end. Waiver wire that one. If there's a tight end you really like, I could see them finding a tight end they really like, yeah. that they trust, and maybe keeping Jelani Woods inactive on some game days. You know, maybe that's a path that you explore. Um, but I think three tight ends is the initial 53-man roster look. Now on the offensive line, Will Fries, Dennis Kelly, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Danny Pinter, Matt Pryor, Bernard Ryman and Braden Smith are the eight that you've got making the roster, which means Wesley French uh, was a cut for you. Yeah, sorry about French fries, but yeah, that is a cut. Uh, eight is too small of a number for Chris Ballard. I probably am a little bit more prone to keeping eight. You dress seven on game day. Um, I could see Ballard wanting more, and I almost assuredly this needs to be a waiver claim spot. You know, I... Fries was thrown into you know starting duty against a really stout defensive front, but I just that interior worries me a little bit, Eddie. And then where's Dennis Kelly out health wise? We're probably approaching a month since Dennis Kelly's been on the practice field, so I'm just assuming he's healthy and you'll put him on your 53. It's not like a slam dunk guarantee by any means. So your backups under that scenario: Bernard Ryman, Dennis Kelly, and Will Fries. Uh, Danny Pinter, of course, starting at right guard for you. But again, that's that that's a waiver wire for me. And then on the other side of the football, defensive line, oh one boy. of Chris Ballard's favorite positions. Yeah, so this is probably the hardest one for me, man. A long list of names, so I'll go slowly here. Ben Banigou, Curtis Brooks, DeForest Buckner, Eric Johnson, Tyquan Lewis, Unique Ngakwe, Dio Adangbo, Ifidi Odeniabo, Quiddy Pay, and Grover Stewart. That's who you've got making the roster. And I cannot believe I did not butcher that. That was beautiful. That was tremendous work by you on Odangbo and Odeniabo. And I hate you for putting them back to back like that. <laughs> well, I try to do it alphabetically, so apologies on that front, though. Um, you're cutting four, at least this is under my scenario, Cameron Klein, uh, Byron Cowart, RJ McIntosh, and Chris Williams. At different times in camp, Eddie, I've thought Cameron Klein deserves a roster spot. I've thought RJ McIntosh deserves a roster spot. I thought Chris Williams deserves a roster spot. 
I don't like the group. I don't like the depth of the group, I should say. Banigoo, I could easily cut him, but I don't I I you know, I, I know he made a couple plays in the fourth quarter on Saturday night. I'm not saying like that put him on the roster, but you know, back up Leo to Ngakwe, every time they've run out that second unit in camp, it's Ben Ban it's Ben Ben Banigoo. That sounds really <laughs> weird to say. Um so I, I'm just torn on this. I I guess your backup DNs, you know, Taekwon and Dayo would fit that. Bless you. Um, but they also are versatile guys on the interior. So more of your natural-looking rushers, that's where Banigou, you know, Deniobo slides in. Part of me thinks you cut one of those two and keep an interior guy. Um, the rookies, Eric Johnson and Curtis Brooks, they've done not a whole lot in my eyes, in camp and in the preseason. Defensive tackle depth worries me. I'd like to keep Chris Williams. He was he was on your team last year, uh, bounced, I think, practice squad and active squad. Um, but he's been a little banged up. And same thing with McIntosh. He's got a little bit of history in the league, but he's been banged up as well. So I probably only write down in Sharpie, Eddie, the first six names, Pei, Ngakwe, Buckner, Stewart, and then Lewis and Diode Engbo. Those are the only guys I put in Sharpie. So I, I put four more on the team, and four more I looked look at with myself and think, well, that's kind of a coin flip. So this is the toughest one for me. Toughest position group to whittle down, and I don't feel totally confident in the 10 that I've kept. And as you said very enlighteningly, if that's a word, it's a position group that Chris Ballard loves to scour for, and he will continue to do so. Linebackers have two of my favorite players from the preseason, JoJo Doman. Uh, one of them, you have him making the roster, Zayo Franklin, Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, and Sterling Weatherford, who's the second for me. Yeah, I got both those undrafted guys. And, you know, shout-out to James Skalski and Forrest Ryan, the other two undrafted guys. I think there's been moments where they've looked deserving of a spot. Agreed. Um, Doman's been the most consistent since the spring, and I really like Weatherford's athleticism. I just love how he looks, his general body makeup. I mean, he looks – you rarely see an undrafted guy look like that. And, Eddie, I thought he was really productive on Saturday night, and I believe he played the most special team snaps. I think him and Doman played the most special team snaps of anybody. And remember, Matt Adams, Jordan Glasgow, gone. Special teams duties are paramount. Now, a couple things to note here. I've got Shaquille Leonard – Making this football team and not on the pup list. Oh, I hate you. You you played it as Darius. I know. And I and now I'm looking at it, I'm like, gosh, I need to go back in and edit that. Um No, I gotta edit that too. <laughs> that is something that you listened to Chris, or, uh, Frank Reich yesterday and he didn't say it was a slam dunk. He acted like they hadn't made uh, a decision on that. Well, if you haven't made a decision on that, then Eddie he's going to miss some games, right? I mean, because, again, if you stay on PUP, you're out for four games. Um, so that is something that I think we'll get a little bit of clarity on Wednesday. We'll, we'll talk more about that Wednesday. But that's a little bit up in the air, clearly. I think there's more seriousness to it than what's being let on. It's, that's just my belief. If you read the tea leaves, there's a lot of validity to read into that like that. Um, and, again, we'll find out. But as of right now, I've got him off the PUP list, which – if you're on PUP, not only are you out the first four games, I brought up Denver earlier. That's on a Thursday night. That means you're out the first five games. You don't practice after that week four into week five. If you're on PUP, 
you don't practice either. It's not just you're out of games. You're also out of practice. And I really think this is a – I think there's some Andrew Luck scar tissue with how everyone involved is thinking about this. And we need we, – we don't want – Luck not practicing during that 2016 season on those Thursdays. The Colts didn't want to do that anymore. He had surgery after that season even though he played every game but one. He missed one game due to a concussion. They don't want to do that with Leonard this year. Of He looks like you or I on one snap, and then he looks like an all-pro the next snap. So they're going to be very patient with this. Um, I'm cutting Brandon King. You guys have heard Brandon King on this podcast, a great human being. This would be Brandon King, who is primarily a special team guy. He's a little banged up with a hamstring injury right now. That's why I cut him. Is this a guy you get to your practice squad, you promote on game day? I That one I'm a little uneasy with there i'd like to point out now since i do some stuff uh, since i noted earlier i do post game work with colts radio network i get interviews locker room interviews yeah uh jeffrey gorman did one and i believe it was with bobby okarake uh-huh um and bobby just out of nowhere in the interview mentions brandon king as a guy to look out for he's a he's a special teams dog right only is known for special teams like doesn't play defensive snaps Right. So I, I'm looking at this and thinking, is he going to be on the team? Like, it, it, it seems like he will be, but I, I don't – he has a hurt hamstring. So part of me is like, you know, is he healthy? You know, where is he at? So that's one that I admit that I could very well be wrong on, and maybe he'll be on the team considering the special teams group and how it looks right now. So we'll see how that plays out tomorrow. And, you know, he comes from New England. Bubba Ventrone comes from New England. So there is that connection there between him and Belichick on the special teams part Very of it. Very good point. Uh, cornerbacks, you have Tony Brown, Brandon Faison, or Faison, sorry, Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, and Isaiah Rogers, meaning Anthony Chesley, uh, Dallas Flowers, Marvell Tell, and Chris Wilcox are being cut. I will like to get Dallas Flowers on the practice squad. Groom, you know, comes from Pittsburgh State, smaller school. Groom him a little bit. I debated Tony Chesley and Tony Brown for the last spot. I give it to Tony Brown because they like him on special teams and Gus Bradley, Ron Miles history at multiple stops, Chargers and Raiders. I think that's important. Uh, he's got some inside flex, some some nickel slot flex, just like Chesley does. But I'll go Tony Brown. There's my fifth corner. I agree. Uh, safeties: Julian Blackman, Nick Cross. Trevor Dinbow, uh, Rodney McLeod, and Rodney Thomas. Uh, side note, I thought Thomas looked great. Agreed. He was one of the guys I thought stood out, out along with Grover Stewart, literally dismantling Tampa Bay's backup defensive line on the second series. I thought Thomas stood out in the first half. Uh, the, the top four, little debate. Julian Blackman, Nick Cross, Rodney McLeod, Rodney Thomas. Thomas is a seventh-round pick out of Yale. I, I'm going to put Denbo in the team. I feel awful for Armani Watts. The only injury from Saturday night hurts that ankle. On the opening kickoff, um, out for the season. I had him on the 53. I will now put Trevor Denbo, Denbow, however you say it, I will put him on the 53 instead. You know, that fifth safety, Eddie, has got to be a special teams demon. He's got to be it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Denbo led the NFL in special teams tackles. Uh, he was right up there for a while. Now, some, some of those tackles were down the field, but um, I will go with him. As the fifth safety. Marcel Dabo, the Germany product, you get an international exemption with him. So don't need to worry about him on a roster spot. And then specialist-wise, uh, Hot Rod, Luke Rhodes, Matt Hawk. Uh, I assume you put Regal on IR. Don't 
know why they haven't done that yet. I mean, towards Achilles, I wouldn't want to rush that <laughs> back in like December, January. It's not Cam Akers here. Um, I would still like to see them look into some waiver wire there, but I'm not holding my breath that they will do that. All right, we have a lot of Twitter questions, so let's get into them. Let's uh, do it. First one comes from Patrick. By the way, if people like to see that in written form, 1075thefan.com. It's up on the site. Nice pub. Thank you. Patrick asks, hey, Kevin, been here a minute since I've asked a question, uh, but I've always, I'm have always i always listening. I uh, want to know your thoughts on Weatherford. Looked like he had a great game and has great size and speed. Obviously, this is against the third team for the Buccaneers, but is there room to keep him on the 53-man roster? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, just gets into the debate that we had. I, I, I think it's smart to put out the size and speed. Again, you don't look at Forrest Ryan, look at James Skalski, look at JoJo Doman. They don't look like Sterling Weatherford. No. And Weatherford looks different. Um, now, having said that, those other guys have produced and, you know, in several of their cases played at a little bit of a higher level of football, not Ryan's case. But I think you have room for him. I do. Brandon King is the name. That's the name that I'm watching. You know, Eddie, you just brought him up, and the Okereke note is something uh, definitely that's interesting to to think about. Um, you know, basically out of Doman, Ryan, Skalski, Weatherford, and King, those five guys for two spots. Special teams is going to be huge. Now, the Leonard Health situation, think about that a little bit, Eddie. If Leonard's going to miss time, that means, and you don't, you aren't in your base defense a ton, but that means your base defense package will be Okereke, Zaire Franklin, and EJ Speed. Who's your fourth linebacker? It's a good question. Doman, uh, you know, Weatherford, like that's where you get into a little bit more of it. Now, I will reiterate that it's Bobby Okereke and Zaire Franklin as your top two linebackers throughout camp. It was yeah. not EJ Speed. EJ Speed was your third linebacker. That was very clear and very evident all throughout camp. Sam and Chris have a similar question, so we'll group this together. Hey, guys, thank you for all the hard work that you do on the podcast. I've been listening since 2019 and can't thank you enough, so keep it going. I appreciate that. Thank you. And another shout-out to Chris Presley, great human. Uh, do you think we see any moments of Ellinger, Taylor, and Hines on the field during the season? I feel like it would be extremely hard for the defense to play against that. Yeah, and again, we got a couple of these questions. Someone kind of referred to it, a little Taysom Hill action. Yeah, it's a good point. And, Eddie, I I remember them doing it last year. I think Ellinger either ran it himself on that play or handed it off. Uh, but they definitely did it at some point because Ellinger is not throwing a pass in the NFL. Um, yeah, I think it's something that you explore. You guys know that in short yardage, I want to see Taylor and Hines on the field together at all times. And as long as Ellinger can throw the little dump pass to Mo Alley Cox, like, Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz and everybody have done to Jack Doyle in so many of those short yarded situations. Um, I think that's that's a smart thing to do. It'd be unpredictable if you have him on your fifty three. Uh, again, you call him up on game day. That's ninety minutes before kickoff, or I should say, you make him active on game day. The opposing team doesn't know about it till ninety minutes before kickoff. And if that's the difference between converting a fourth and one inside the red zone and not, be the difference in winning a game. Ellinger played 18 snaps last year. He got one against the Jets, seven against the Bills, and then 10 against the Texans. So Bills and Texans were certainly in mop-up duty, right? And then, well, in Buffalo, he had one attempt for one yard, and that was the only snap he played. Or New York, sorry. Against New York, he had one attempt for one yard. That was the only snap he played. So is that the game you're thinking of there? 
I mean, it's got to be. And, and that New York game, that was close enough to where he wouldn't have been in. They, they wouldn't have benched Wentz in that game, right? Correct. And think about that, Eddie. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was a Thursday night game. Yes. So that's my line of thinking. Short week, boom, all of a sudden he gets thrown into the game like that. Oh, that, that's interesting. I had no idea that the, those were the games. Obviously, yeah. Buffalo, he's in there um, to milk it out. And same thing with at Houston, that, that shutout win. All right, help me with this next name. Uh, Dara. Dara hails from Ireland. Shout out to Dublin. Dara told me he was at the uh, Dara was at the um, Nebraska Northwestern game. Did he get free beer? Did you ask him that? I think he was working working said game, but uh, oh. it sounded like things were getting loose there. It, Scott Frost looked like he had shotgun a few beers <laughs> after he called that onside kick. Hey, Kevin, hope all is well. Judging um, my all the information you know and sources, fellow media members, uh, what do you think is most likely uh, Shaquille Leonard? Which game do you think is most likely Shaquille Leonard will return? Gosh, it's such a, I mean, it's a popular question I get, Eddie. It's just tough. I, I'm i really torn on it. You know, week three, week four is where I come back to. Um, you know, if he doesn't practice this week, I think he's out for the opener. Basically, that's how I view it. I, I feel like he needs two full weeks of practice. If you take the Colts at their word of he hasn't been out there since January, we need him at 100%. All of those things, um, you know, that's kind of where where I go to. So, I will say, yeah, I, I I'll say week three against Kansas City. Okay, but again, I don't say. What, 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 I know I can hear it in your voice. You don't have any confidence in that. I just hear this a lot. We got to give him to ninety to ninety five percent. He's probably gonna have to play at that, but we don't want the seventy percent stuff like. Long season, 17 games, and I get that. And, you know, there's probably an element of I can sit there and be like Shaquille Leonard is a huge factor, huge factor. At the same time, Ngakwe acquisition, Gilmore acquisition, are you better equipped to handle his loss than maybe you were in previous years? It's a fair question. Let's hope, let's hope we don't have to see that play out. Well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to find out here. Jason asks, which players nailed down their spots against the Buccaneers? Which players counted out re-entered the chat? Interesting, Jason. Um, you know, Weatherford is probably the first name that pops into my mind about, you know, he he certainly is, is in the chat. Uh, you know, this is a sad reality, but it's reality, Eddie. Armani Watts going down, Trevor Denbo probably entered it. You know, I thought Desmond Patman had a couple nice plays. You know, Banigo in the fourth quarter. I mean, Banigo had a sack, I believe, where he fell down on the play, which yeah, I don't know how much of that is just, you know, the, the, the quarterback running into you eventually or if that's great hustle and, you know, you're, you're keeping yourself alive for the sack. Yeah, Jason, I don't know if I go, you know, too many more than that, but those are some of the names that pop into my mind. Uh, Rodney Thomas for me. Yeah, I thought Thomas was on it. I did. I thought Thomas showed me a little bit more late in camp. I, I thought he was already good, but he probably put himself in Sharpie. Marker. Gotcha. Scotty, not the Scotty of Johnston here. The run protection from the O-line seems a bit concerning for me, especially without Doyle this season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's. I, I certainly think this is probably attributed to what we saw in the preseason. Um, now, again, Penter and Fries are in there in the middle. Um, you know, how well is Danny Pinter going to hold up as a guard? You know, when you think about it, Eddie, when Danny Pinter gets in the game, 
on Saturday or uh, excuse me on Sunday in a week, a week from Sunday, it'll be the first time he's ever played guard in a real football game. Can't imagine there's too many NFL guys that have ever done that. You know, obviously tight end is his background. Yeah. Tackle is where he turned into at Ball State. Center was where he played early in his NFL career. Um, I worry about tight ends stealing the edges. I thought you saw some of that on yeah. Saturday. And I worry about the wideouts in, in the blocking game. I mean, think about it. Your number two and three wideouts right now are Campbell and Pierce. I don't think you'd label either of them as great blockers. You know, Pittman is that. That's a little different than Pascal. You know, being in that role in years past. Obviously, Doyle as a tight end. So, the run blocking. I do think Pryor is a better run blocker than pass blocker. Uh, but still, that is something that I think it's fair to want to examine a little further. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, didn't I think Frank Reich mentioned or Bauer mentioned after the draft that Pierce was a pretty solid blocker? Yeah, I... I, I think I we heard that somewhere. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I just still think it's a little different. Yeah. A little different. Now I get it. He's got he's got a height and weight frame that you like. Now you, when you see him in person, I don't know if you've ever really I think you've obviously yeah. been up at Grand Park. It's not like he's like thick. Like I mean, Pittman and him probably weigh on the roster like eight, ten pounds different. They look different. Pittman looks like he could go start at linebacker. Yeah, in the NFL. Pierce looks like he could go be the next Michael Phelps with his yeah. body. To yeah. Me. So um, maybe I'm nit- nitpicking a little bit there, but yeah. So to be clear, the Colts scored three tight ends in a row in that second and goal debacle. This is from Why Bother. I'll take that as a win from the offensive line and a loss on Frank Reich's game management. Uh, what did you take away from the three plays ran at the one-yard line? I mean, nothing said Colt season is back like my father-in-law texted me. What the hell was that challenge? <laughs> I'm like, isn't there no complaining in the preseason? Uh, yeah, I don't know why Frank challenged that, frankly. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah, you did. I don't like challenges from the one-yard line on first down. I don't either. You know, those are precious. I don't so. like challenges at all within the five-yard line. Yeah, that's especially on first down. Unless it's a catch. That's the only, I think, way I would ever challenge something inside the yeah, five-yard line. Too many bodies are kind of clogged up in the middle. Camera angles aren't great. But, hey, um, short yardage this year, guys, 21, 28 on the field every freaking play. 11. Pittman? Yeah. As well? Of course. We mentioned earlier, maybe a little bit of Ellinger. But yes, 21 and 28 without question. Obviously, 11. Pittman's gonna, Pittman should be a 95% snap guy every game. Agreed there. Uh, Jordan asks, what is your thoughts on if Ryman can play left tackle, moving Braden Smith to right guard, and playing Matt Pryor at right tackle? Seems like the middle of the line would be extremely strong with Nelson, Kelly, and Smith all playing next to each other. Jordan, I hear you out. It's just too much shifting for me. Especially this late before the season. Yeah. And I know this, I think this is like a five-man unit we saw for a period or two late in camp. I mean, Braden Smith hasn't played guard in years. And he's a great tackle. Yeah, I don't want to take great players away from where they're great. Yep. That's a lot of my thought process with Nelson. I mean, does Braden Smith want to be an every-down guard? Um, and then again, a third-round rookie at left tackle is really rare. So, you know, Ryman, I know he got beat once. I thought he had a lot of good snaps. He definitely got beat pretty badly on by one of their seventh-round picks there late. 
Uh, but yeah, that's just too much shifting for me. This one is from Matthew. Do you get the sense that the Shaquille Leonard stuff is similar to the Andrew Luck and Jim Ursay between the ears comment? Like Shaq is struggling mentally to adapt to whatever his injury is, despite the doctors having potentially cleared him. Seems like Frank is frustrating or frustrated that this that he isn't practicing yet. Yeah, this is an interesting one, and and I I assume Matthew sent this in before Frank Reich's comments yesterday because Frank went out of his way to commend Shaquille Leonard for doing everything he can to get on the football field. And this topic is probably a bit dangerous to go down, but I think there's evidence for Matthew to at least ask the question. And I go back to a Shaquille Leonard press conference. Eddie, it probably would have been during the spring where, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm pretty sure he said something close to this of like, at times last year, Shaquille Leonard had some questions for the love of the game. And that's not something I ever heard him or ever would think of him saying in his first four seasons. Now, some of that I think came from, I believe he had a death in the family, someone very close to him. Obviously, his injury situation had to be extremely frustrating. Yep. You know, when you... We all have been sick in our lives. We absolutely hate it. Um, if you've been hurt, you obviously hate it. Imagine not knowing why you are sick or hurt and it lingering and lingering. And now you're having a back surgery two months before the season starting, three months before the season starting for an ankle issue. That's confusing. That would m- mess with my mind. Now, I don't think... That quote from Leonard was more about the love for the game. The luck stuff was about this is impacting my relationships in life. So it's not exactly the same. I understand why people are making the comparison to it. Um, this is it, it's you guys have heard me say it for weeks now, months now. It's a weird, murky injury situation. It's weird. Um, in no way, shape, or form am I even going to say. Oh, Shaquille Leonard might retire tomorrow. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, but it, it, you just, I mean, he admitted it. It's impacted some of his pure joy. That dude has Friday night hell. He doesn't have Friday night lights joy for football. He's got peewee football yep. joy for it. Went to pick up my, my brother-in-law to play golf the other day, and there's my nephew wearing his dad's football helmet around the backyard. I mean, that's like the pure joy of Leonard has that. And that's tough to see um, in the NFL. You don't often just see that. And Leonard has it. And that got impacted last year. There were other stuff that played into it, but his health was certainly um, something as well. Side question. Did Ursay say anything on the, the telecast from this weekend? He did not mention Leonard. I was hoping they would go down that path. Not to- specific to Leonard, but like anything in general, because obviously I can't listen to it in the yeah, studio. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of, like, saying Carson Wentz sucks without saying Carson Wentz <laughs> sucks. Um, he mentioned A.J. Brown. Thank, thank the Lord he's out of the division. I'd agree with that. And he did temper a little bit of the public comments on Matt Ryan, which I found interesting, kind of un-Ursay-like. I mean, usually Ursay in August is like, okay, everybody got down February 8th. That, that'll be the parade date, on, <laughs> uh, you know, around the circle. Everybody got that down the calendar? It's the first of two. You know, sell all those tickets, baby. Um he didn't go there with Ryan. So I, th- I found that interesting. 
Okay. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, nothing. No, I I headed to the back of the uh, press box when it was going on. I was like, uh, we need to turn up one of these TVs just in case he says something. And he did not say anything. <laughs> uh, Matt asks, streak the Colts need to end immediately. Season openers or games in Jacksonville? <laughs> oh, boy. It's probably season opener, right? I mean, at both. I'd go Jacksonville. Really? Yes. I think the season opener, the fact that it lasts longer and you have to carry that for a week. I mean, think about it. If you if you win the season opener and lose to Jacksonville, you've got Kansas City coming into your own building the next week. So you're immediately on to, here comes one of the best teams in football, Patrick Mahomes, I think it's his is it first ever game in Lucas Oil. Uh, I don't think so. No? I'd have to look that up. But anyways, I, I, I think it's more of week one. We both looking this up right now. Yeah, I think we are. Okay. Uh, I I only say Jacksonville because because like Jacksonville stinks. Yes, and it's the most frustrating. Yeah, frustrating losing um, streak. I just got one game for Mahomes ever against the Colts. That was at Sunday oh, Nighter. Okay. Now obviously he played a playoff game. Yeah, but regular season wise, yeah. But I I say Jacksonville because of the. Of the, of the nature of how long this is going back. Like, this is yeah. multiple You know, I mean, regimes. Eddie, let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room. They both bleep and stink. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's incredible that we're talking about this. Um, I You know, I, I go on visiting team radio. Typically, I do like one to two segments a week. Like, I went on Tampa Bay's pregame show Saturday night. You know, Buffalo went on their radio. Um, a couple of their shows leading into that week. And every time they're like, Wait a minute. Do I have this right? The Colts haven't won a season opener since 2013. And I'm like, yeah. You know, if you were to say that in this market, you'd have you know people driving off 465 as another reminder of that. You know, it's just wild to think that it has been that long. Yeah, I'm sticking with the opener on that one. But Matt, those are both horrifying. Colton. So obviously, Philip Lindsay is the most established backup in the running back room. But because we already have Hines, do you really think we need Lindsey? I personally would rather keep Deion Jackson or Devonta Price, uh, who can offer a 15 to 20 carry goal line type of role if JT went down for a game or two. No, Lindsey, I, I liked what I've seen from Lindsey in camp. And again, this is insurance. Insurance, insurance, insurance with Lindsey. Remember, Eddie, you know, Lindsey was a couple thousand yard seasons. Doesn't fumble. Doesn't fumble. You, you brought that up. It's a great point. And then he was with the two worst rushing teams in the NFL last year, Houston oh, yeah. and Miami. Those are bad offensive lines. I, I like what Lindsey's shown in camp. So um, I'm going to stick with the four that I mentioned earlier. Keep Lindsey and then either Deion Jackson or Devontae Price is your fourth one. And, and like Eddie said, maybe you know you throw one on the practice squad. Thomas asks, hey, Kevin, I haven't heard a lot about Tyquan Lewis this camp. Is he limited, kind of flying under the radar? I'd love to see him pick up where he left off last year and just maybe this year uh, go for the pa- a PBU instead of a pick. <laughs> oh, boy, Thomas, that's, that's harsh there, referencing the torn patella off the interception against the Titans. Uh, Eddie, that first third down package in Houston a week from Sunday, assuming Cody Pay is healthy, Cody Pay, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, and I think it's Tyquan Lewis. Showed me a little bit more. Coming on here, after missing the early part of team period with camp, uh, I thought he was good in that Detroit game. 
I would put him ahead of Dayo Dangbo and filling out your, as we call it here in Indy, the IndyCar package, baby. Not not the NASCAR <laughs> package. The old IndyCar package. I like it. Uh, flipping. Where will the Colts' offense and defense be ranked halfway through the season and the end of the year? Oh shit! I'd be flipping if uh, you know if I was if I knew this, I'd be in Vegas right now. Um, or you would have struck the lottery, right? A couple times in your life. So schedule's kind of front loaded, I guess. If if you're looking at it, I, I think a little bit more front loaded than back loaded. I don't know. Denver, Kansas City early. Do we have the Raiders early too? No. You don't have the Raiders early? They're about mid-season. Are they? Yeah. Tennessee, both of those are early. Uh, I don't know. Defense, ninth. Offense, 13th. I'd say offense about middle, 14, 15. Defense about lower. Defense, 7th if Shaq is playing. If he's not playing, I'll go 10th. I am very – I am bullish on Michael Pittman. You guys know this full well. Oh, yeah. You guys know this. We both I are. I am very, very curious to see how teams react to him. You know, that playoff game against Buffalo, the end of his rookie year, that was Tredavious White shadowing him in that game. That was the first sign of he's going to get heavy number one number one attention. He, he's going to get it even more, I think, this year. Uh, just because there isn't like the, you know, Hilton, Pascal, and Doyle in their own ways, they could fall into five, six targets in a, in a, in a game. And they all were on your team last year. You don't have that this season. So it'll be a interesting storyline. I mean, there were times last year where Wentz would just throw it up to him. I mean, he'd still go get it with two right. or three guys around him, too. I mean, put the ice on the Miami game with the play like that. And San Francisco. San Francisco, the other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question comes from Patrick. Do you see any Colts rookie garnering enough playing time to make a push for offensive or defensive rookie of the year? I'm particularly interested in your take on Nick Cross. He does look like a week one starter. Um, I, Cross could be a factor. Again, how do you win these awards, particularly on defense? Turnovers. 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 The pass rushers are all going to be up there. Um you know, obviously you're gonna have Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker. I mean, those are guys that are going to get some opportunities to make some plays. But um, you're gonna get great odds, I guarantee, you, on Nick Cross and or Alec Pierce if you want to go either of those because that's very difficult. Although Jamar Chase probably showed you last year. Granted, he was what the fifth overall pick. Um, yes, I, I would if Cross can find the ball, certainly. And they want to settle on one guy. They're gonna rotate that. And if you look at the depth chart, you look at the guy who started Saturday night. It would be Nick Cross over Rodney McLeod right now. Um, so I'm on a Vegas Insider website. I mean, you could probably get crazy odds, right? And Nick Cross isn't even listed. Right. I, I was going to say. I mean, think about it. He's a third-round safety. You know? He's, what, the 50th defender drafted? Yeah. <laughs> Period. Something like that. So, um, your yeah. Fav- your, yeah, your favorites are Aiden Hutchinson, Trevon Walker, and Quay Walker. And then... Uh, I'm assuming Thibodeau's odds are going to go plummeting because of his injury. Yeah. 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 And then your guy, Kyle Hamilton. Where's he at? Fifth? Uh, I'm assuming he'll move up to fourth with the Thibodeau injury. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Okay. Is that is that our last one? Yep. All right. Let's come back Wednesday. Um, recapping roster cuts. 
Yeah, Chris Bauer typically operates where he waits till the very last moment to do roster cuts. So, selfishly, for the longevity of this podcast, I hope that he did that. <laughs> but we will see if he does that. Uh, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll come back Wednesday. And like we re- reiterate with the fantasy stuff. Yep. Um, Eddie, one more time. At Eddie Garrison underscore E-D-D-I-E. Uh, Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. And uh, Henrik, if you're listening from, uh, from Finland, we'll get to your question on Wednesday's pod. Let's go. Helsinki. There, I, I love, I love that question. Um, yeah, there are a few other more of like bigger roster questions that I feel like we're kind of putting on the back burner until Wednesday, and we'll obviously talk about roster cuts with that. Awesome, jam packed pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.